we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? It is a gorgeous day. It is a gorgeous week here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We have a bracket, Adam. We have a bracket. And it's a gorgeous day. Like last week, we said it was a gorgeous day, even though the weather itself was crummy because it was championship week. I think ESPN now calls it Champ Week instead of Championship Week. But anyway, it was it was all the conference tournaments. And so last week it was a beautiful day because of the conference tournaments. It's a beautiful day now in, in multiple ways. We've got a bracket. I, I tweeted this last night. I love looking at it. It's just so satisfying and fractal. Like it just the it's that's the best. It's like it's fractal. It's like looking at a at a tree. It's beautiful. To look at at a, at a blank bracket, but the weather itself is also mm-hmm. gorgeous. And I will say, like, KU you know, got another trophy over the weekend. Yeah, great weekend. Um, like the NFL, I don't want it to expand to eight teams on each side. It's just too much. But there's a part of me that's like, oh, but we could have a bracket in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, let's do it. Um, by the way, our NCAA tournament coverage over the next couple weeks is going to be brought to you by Cycles on Power Sports, Big City Selection, and Small Town Service on Bikes, Off-Road Vehicles, and Watercraft, located off Highway 24 in Topeka. Make that fun and exciting purchase you know you've been wanting for the spring and summer shortly ahead. Your NCAA tournament coverage here on RCST, also presented by Panky Foundation Repair. What's the key to a strong team? A strong foundation. It's the same for a house. Get your home's foundation inspected today for free, plus receive 10% off if you call and mention you heard this on Rock Truck Sports Talk at 785-505-0577. That's 785-505-0577. I think this past weekend, like if we were to rank the times where you've been the most high and the most low on this KU team. Like, the number one most low would probably be the Kentucky game. Yep. Number two might be the TCU game in Fort Worth. I was I was thinking that. I, I would put that just ahead of Dayton. Mm-hmm. I think the TCU, although Dayton turned out to be a, they were listed as. They were one a, of the first out, right? Whether the first or the next. Mm-hmm. They're, they they're, the on, they're on the group of out uh, that they mentioned on the on the broadcast yesterday um, of being in the among the first out. Um, excuse me. So that turned out to be a, a fine loss, but I would think TCU would be above that, even though they're a tournament team, because of when that loss happened. It'd come off the loss of, to Baylor. Um, it also put you in a situation to where you had to win the last two to be guaranteed a share of the title, and uh, and, and then on top of that, you just offensively didn't look good. You scored sixty four points. Granted, TCU's good offensively, but. Yeah, I would say that them or Dayton. I, I couldn't think of a worse uh, non-con loss. I think was Dayton the only non-con loss. Yeah, well, Kentucky. But oh, like, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prior Other, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Play, yes. Um, um. So yeah, I would say either somewhere in there would be either the Dayton loss or the Kentucky loss number one, and then Dayton TCU two or three. If you want to say TCU more because it took place later in the season, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and uh, I, I think the highest we've been on this team. For me, what happened this past weekend is probably number one. 
Um, maybe it's recency bias. Maybe it's because it feels like the parts are more whole that led to this happening. Maybe it's because you're right on the outskirts of getting to the NCAA tournament. We saw more come together. I think number two would probably be when you blew out Baylor at home. I don't yep. know what would be after that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go through. Those were clearly the highest we've been. I don't know. Maybe after Michigan State, the very first game. Yeah, that was, I mean, because you saw, you saw a great performance out of Remy. You saw Ochai begin his Big 12, I mean, even though it, was one, it wasn't Big 12 play, you be, you saw him, you know, you saw a preview of what he was going to be able to do. Um, I would say if you combine that Baylor win with the stretch that it was in, which was the stretch of one loss and a over a long period, and that one loss was in overtime in Austin. Um, so that whole time. But I, I think when you factor in the time of year, who you just beat, I mean, I think I would I would have said, Baylor, like if you could have said pick your – like if you guaranteed me that the Jayhawks would have won the Big 12 tournament and I could pick which teams they beat, I would have actually preferred beating Texas and Baylor um, simply because I think that uh, – you know they're better. You know they're. I just think they're better teams, um, and it would have been better to see. But you beat a tournament team in TCU, you beat uh, a tournament team in in Texas Tech, and a team that um, you, that that really pillar to post held you down in Lubbock. Jayhawks were. It was technically. It, it wasn't a blowout like the Kentucky game, but the Jayhawks were really in the second half, never in the game in Lubbock, and then. Um, I'm not afraid to say it was a little fluky in Allen Fieldhouse. Now, you could say it was maybe fluky both ways because KU gave up a big lead late in regulation, and then Tech handed it right back to you in the first overtime, and and Ochai hit that great shot. Um, So maybe fluky isn't the right word, but you needed some things to bounce your way to get that win in in Allen Fieldhouse. And so you cemented yourself with a a win. um, I don't know how to put it. Obviously not a blowout, but... A, a, a good enough win that the Rock Chalk chant was going with a minute left is, is kind of, and if you're a KU fan, you know what kind of win I'm talking about. A minute left, Rock Chalk chant's going. That means you're, you know, you've at least put them away. You haven't blown them out, but you've put them away. Yeah, that was, that was just such an impressive weekend from, you know, the very first game where you just blew out West Virginia and kind of showed right away that, hey, they're not, in the same stratosphere as us. And then you you made easy work of, of TCU relative to especially how close they played you the previous week. The Texas Tech game, like you said, it felt like KU was the better team in that game. It felt like KU really guarded in that game. And, and really, I think a lot of the Big 12 tournament, it felt like their defense was very much there. Uh, you had certain things that happen along the way, too, that make you feel even better about this team's NCAA tournament prospects because it's not just that yeah, they just happened to have like a good three-game stretch. It's that certain things happened for KU along the way. We're going to get into some of those reactions uh, coming up shortly here later this hour on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I do want to actually just talk about, though, the fact that the bracket is actually out. KU's tip time is set for Thursday. They're going to play Thursday, Saturday, assuming they win Thursday against the winner of the 16-seed game which will be between uh, Texas Southern and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. And that one will take place at 8.57. Why they couldn't just say 9 o'clock, I don't know. I will uh, have to give you most of the rundown of that game. That's past Derek's bedtime. Mm, yeah, I, I don't know if I'll stay up to watch it. No, I don't know uh, why I say that. I'm the older <laughs> guy on this show. I don't know why. Well, it's at 8.57, um, so you'll be able to hear it here on KLWN as well. I don't know when pregame will, will start. Will it start at 7.27? Will it start at 7.30? Yeah, we'll have to talk to Haney about that. I would get, real quick, I, I, I want to make sure I get this in before I forget um it's a great time of year i i, I my 
I've always wanted to give this woman a shout out on the air. My mom has a friend named Frances Newton, resident of Gardner. She's 101 years old. She's a huge KU fan and Royals fan. So she had an outstanding weekend with the return of baseball and, of course, KU being as successful as they were in the Big 12 tournament. So, um, Frances, I, I, I've always, I've, I've always admired her. She's got quite stamp, quite the stamina, and and uh, in despite her age, and or is is still one of the biggest KU fans you will meet, and, and basketball fans in general. So How old did you say? Hundred and one. Okay, we need to. Here's what we need to do. Loyola Chicago has Sister Jean. We need Francis. We need Francis. Yeah, good call. I mean, that's that's the magic right there. Yeah, I think that'll. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll get her. We'll see. I'm not sure if she's uh, up for a trip to Fort Worth in Chicago, but <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Yeah, well, if Francis Cam, just from back home. Yeah, we'll good like call. Right in her liver. Yeah, good like call. Um, but yeah, I I think um, uh, as far as yeah, we'll have to talk to Haney. I imagine they'll just say um, what would that be eight? Uh, no, seven twenty-seven. Yeah. I would guess. Um, I think the tip time is two and a half hours. San Diego State Creighton, I think, is scheduled for two and a half hours before then. Mm-hmm. So. 627 and both of those games on true tv and to quote yeah, true tv one of my favorite things in 2011 i will always bring this up in 2011 that was the first time that was the first year the tournament expanded to 68 teams and it was the first year that they made the deal with cbs and turner to make sure that you weren't just watching on cbs and you could truly watch every single yeah, game younger live. kids out there this may sound ridiculous but like you couldn't watch every game the only way you could do it is if there was a, like if you were watching ku and they're playing a 16 and they were up 20 at the end and you know there are four minutes left and there was some other game let's say a 5 12 game going on that was two minutes left and and within three points they cut to that on cbs mm-hmm. but you could you didn't have multiple channels so, uh, so 2011 is the first. So Monday night, I think it was, um, Charles Barkley was on David Letterman. Obviously, Barkley does inside the NBA, but also with Turner does uh, d- shows during the tournament. That NCAA gr- or the um, the inside the NBA group does that, and uh, Letterman obviously on CBS. So that he's on to promote this whole thing. So they're chatting a little bit. They talk about his career, talk about the tournament. Da 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 da. And at the end, uh, David Letterman, very professional, goes, uh, all right, so Chuck, thank you so much for joining us. The tournament uh, starts, uh, the opening round games, you know, whatever, and then uh, the, 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 the first round of 64 uh, starts this Thursday. That's right. And, and Chuck goes, yeah, that'll give you three days to figure out where the hell True TV is. <laughs> so he's just completely dogged on one of the channels that he was supposed to be on promoting. Which is just classic Chuck and one of my favorite. Uh, every time I see True TV as part of this tournament, that's all I can think about is Charles Barkley just dropping on him when he's supposed to be promoting. That's wonderful. Him. We're gonna see so many like imp- I don't even know is Impractical Jokers still it's thing. All, it's is all still I know on? about it from True TV and other shows. Um, yeah, that yeah. This is a reminder every year that True TV is it a exists. real channel. Yeah, it does. Uh, what are your thoughts early on as you take a look at the bracket? As we mentioned. KU playing the winner of the 16-seed matchup, um, and then after that, they would get San Diego State or Creighton. Now, you can look at the entire region as a whole with the Midwest region, which we will get to here shortly, but um, I do think it's important to know. I mean, coaches say this all the time, and Bill Self says this too. It's a two-game tournament. Yep. And I think as even though like like we're on the radio, we're going we're gonna to talk about these other things. 
sometimes we spend too much time talking about, man, if Kayton, if KU has to play this team in the Elite Eight or something, that's a tough matchup. First of all, no matter who you play in the Elite Eight is going to be a tough matchup. And second of all, sometimes it's not even worth it because it's like, what are the chances that this team's going to make it there? Like, they have to win three games to get there, too. Like, it's really yeah. hard. So, I, I mean, I, I think the best way to look at this is who's directly in front of KU this weekend. Yeah. And I think, we, you know, Jesse Newell, who, in general, I will say this, Newell tweeted out um, that he felt, as a whole, looking at the bracket as a whole, Kansas got a pretty favorable, uh, several matchups in their in their region that you would consider, or that at least Jesse considers favorable. However, one of them that he's not considered favorable, and even ahead of the tournament, he made a list of teams to you might want to avoid uh, if you're Kansas, and one of them was San Diego State. They have length, they have athleticism, they play great defense. Their Ken Palm profile actually looks very similar to um, a Big 12 team. Yes. The team that I said, I was telling my buddy to compare them to, because I know Newell in the, in the post said, think USC last year and Kentucky this year. And I understand the point he was trying to make, um, but I think when you think NBA talent, I think that, you know, Evan Mobley obviously was on that USC team. Kentucky's chock full of NBA talent. I think a decent comp, and, and Jesse may disagree with me completely, I think a decent comp is TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, athletic, good defense, meh on offense. Actually, San Diego State's not meh. They're flat terrible on offense. Yes. But they have athletes that can bother you on the defensive end that if they decide, you know, that if, if you let them and if they want to, they can really slow this game down and, and bring down the possessions, um, and they can frustrate you. And uh, and you know we saw you know, we saw TCU, uh, you know obviously Kansas looked great against them Friday evening, but you got you know they they beat you by ten in in Fort Worth, and um, they gave you all you wanted in in Allen Fieldhouse. So. Uh, just Ken Palm wise, I I kind of thought TCU when I was looking at them, but they they might also have more. I mean, TCU has athletes. San Diego State may have more. Yeah, I think the team that they remind me of is because they're not as good of a rebounding team as TCU. Okay, they remind me a lot of Oklahoma State. Okay, um, Oklahoma State is 170th on offense and sixth on defense. San Diego State is 157th on offense, second on defense. So San Diego State is basically just a better version, slightly better, not like a ton better, slightly better version of Oklahoma in State. In both categories. In both categories. And also the way that they've been described is being an athletic team. And that was, I mean, Bill Self said it both times when they played Oklahoma State. He said, I think this is the most athletic team in the league. That's true, yeah, So you're if you right. think about it, from the, and that has to make you feel better, doesn't it? Because KU Those, doesn't really have problems yeah. with Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I feel if you look at the, you know, if you say you, you had, um, you know, two close games and one relatively easy win against TCU, or with Oklahoma State you had um, two both times pretty comfortable wins. If, if the game turns out like that, that would be great. I I think you know I never want to get caught up too. I had a buddy by the way saying he was getting um he was getting Northern Iowa feels, but <laughs> I think you know look if it happens it happens. This is the tournament. Um, like KU will be favored in that game. If they exactly, lose the game, yes, they did something wrong. Exactly, you're 100 percent right. If they play to their strengths, they're going to get out of the first weekend. Period. Um, and then Creighton, 
I, I think because, you know, I think a lot of KU fans have been talking about San Diego State, but Creighton, I don't know, I can kind of see the San Diego State-Creighton game pretty be uh, one of those close but boring games. Yes, both teams have good defenses, bad offense. That's the other part of this, too. This goes back to the conversation of we well, get so caught up and oh you could play this team in the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight they still got to get there that could even be the case for San Diego State because uh, Ken Palm is projecting the Creighton San Diego State game to be a three point game so it is with, it is with San Diego State favored basically a coin flip yes okay. exactly okay. and and Creighton what they do well both these teams have a good shot blocking center on the inside San Diego State's center is I think 21st in the country in block rate um, Creighton center is, I believe, 40th in the country in block rate. So both these teams basically have a center that can stop stuff in the middle. And that is a little scary for KU because they are so good at getting two-point shots. And if you have a team that can take that away, of course it's scary. But there's no guarantee that that Creighton isn't the team that goes to the second round instead of San Diego State. You know who could be, and I don't even know, And well, I'm not going to say what I was about to say because I don't want to give the player away, but you know who might be actually kind of important this weekend? Hmm. Certain guy with a pretty good over-the-shoulder shot on one side. Mm. Yeah, we'll see what Mitch Lightfoot's I, status I, is. I think, I mean, I don't know. He. I, I think Dave, look, now look, Dave had, what do you do in Allen Fieldhouse? He had a double-double off the bench in, in Stillwater. Uh, so both if, games, if, I if think he, he did, destroyed Oklahoma okay, State. We, yeah. Okay, that's right, because we talked about how he's a bad matchup for Oklahoma State and for um, West Virginia. He had mm-hmm. great games, although West Virginia on, on Thursday, he didn't have his best game, but the two regular season games, he did really well against West Virginia. So if you're right on that Oklahoma State comp, that's a great um, that that is more good news. But you're right. I mean, and and hey, look, three years ago, no, four years ago now, showed us that uh, you're not allowed to look past your opening round game either. Um, if you're uh, you know, because it it finally happened four years ago where a 16 overcame a one. So uh, before my, you know, you had the rule where you only have to be paranoid about losing in the first round if you're a two seed or below. Because a sixteen over a one was unprecedented, and then all of a sudden UMBC came and made ten million three point shots against a Virginia team that doesn't know how to score. Yeah, as as far as after this weekend though, actually we'll we'll save this for the other side. We'll save this for our daily poll. But yeah, I, I think that you know they could lose to San Diego State or Creighton. They absolutely could. Yeah, both you, those teams are good enough. You but, are your favorite, but it's the exactly. tournament. You're it's, you're you're going to be favored in both games, um, and you're going to probably have. Um, like you should win those games. Yeah. You were the one seed. And, and, but, if you don't, you weren't meant to go to the Final Four anyway. Yeah, exactly. And so kind of kick back, enjoy it while you can, and that's that's it. That's that's what I've really learned over the tournament. Just have fun. I mean, watch watch all the games you possibly can and enjoy yourself. Yep. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to have a lot of audio to share. The KU women's team making the NCAA tournament as well. But coming up next, we're going to get to more KU basketball NCAA tournament talk. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Best time of year, man. Best time. All right, our uh, daily poll for today. I was kind of teasing it on the other side. I, I was about to get to it, but I figured just save it for now. The poll for today, which team in the top half of the Midwest 
part of the bracket concerns you the most? We talked a little about San Diego State and Creighton on the other end. Uh, what about potential Sweet 16 teams? Number four seed, which is Providence. Number five seed, which is Iowa. Or the other option on the poll at RCST 1320 is just other. So if you think that the biggest challenge for KU would be, I don't know, Richmond or something. Which, who knows? Richmond has a point guard, Jacob Gilliard, who forces a lot of steals. And KU's had turnover issues. So if that was a matchup, then yeah. But also, I think you'd be happy with uh, playing a 12 seed in the uh, Sweet 16. So which of those teams, just from the top half of the Midwest, we'll get to the bottom half momentarily, but which of those do you think provides the biggest challenge or which scares you the most being up there with KU? Very quickly, um, uh, Pro- or uh, Richmond, I beg your pardon, was uh, KU's 12 seed in 2011. Mm. Uh, that made it to the Sweet 16. So you're saying KU is going to play 11 seed at Iowa State and, in the and, Elite Eight and, and blow it. Yep, there you go. Um, I hope not. Um, although that game, if 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 that if if this same region, if Kansas was in the South, because uh, that's in San Antonio and that's exactly where Kansas lost to VC, I'd be a little more worried about that. <laughs> but um, no, I think maybe I just I've said all all year. I've talked about Providence. Their luck factor is so huge on Ken Palm. I don't fully agree. Now, look, more goes into luck than this, but in general, it's believed that they you're about 50-50 on close games, uh, and if you the more close wins you have, the more lucky you're thought of in the analytics. Now, I want to be clear that it's not that simple. That's not all that goes into it. They do factor in that um, there. it does take certain, you know, there are elements that help you win close games, like Bill Self, is obviously an example of a guy who gives you a huge advantage if you're in close games. That's why KU so consistently wins close games. Ed Cooley is another really good coach, um, but Providence does have a lot of close wins. And maybe I'm uh, this is recency bias because I'm I just watched them get absolutely trounced by Creighton in the um, Big East tournament. I think it was in the semifinals. Uh, so I would say Iowa. Also, I think every talking head I saw on TV this weekend actually picked Iowa to, uh, I saw one guy pick Wisconsin, go to the final four out of the Midwest and other guys pick Iowa to go to the final four. So, um, I think Iowa has a, has a good coach. They're kind of coming on strong. Um, they just won the big 10 tournament. So I, I would say Iowa scares me the most for a sweet 16 matchup. Yeah. So, so I would agree. Iowa scares me the most. You could argue though, that by nature of what round it is, like San Diego State in the second round more than Iowa in the Sweet 16, even though Iowa's the better team. But I would argue Iowa, uh, their offense is elite. And what scares me the most there is it's a bad matchup for KU in terms of Keegan Murray is a National Player of the Year candidate. He's a All-American, does everything for Iowa. And he basically, he's athletic as a wing. He's like 6'9", can run like a deer. That is not a good matchup for KU mm-hmm. at the center position. I don't know how they would handle that. You could see some Clements get in play. Yes, you could. You'd need he, a lot of great looking under the under the backboard or under the, the rim uh, layups. Well, and this goes back, though, to will they even make it there or, or things like that. Um, first of all, we see teams who win their conference tournament lose early all the time. We and, also see sometimes they carry it over. Like uh, Derek and I have talked for a long time. back and forth. Yeah, Derek and I have talked about it for a long time, even before I started on the show, that there's always a team that catches fire in their conference tournament and uses so much energy that they then flame out and lose in the first round. Yeah, like and Iowa then, State does it a lot. Exactly. Then the other side of that coin is there's a team that catches... 2019 fun, Auburn. Uh, last year, Oregon State. 2011 UConn. Mm-hmm. 
they catch fire in their conference tournament and they carry that all the way through and make a deep, deep run in the in the Big Twelve or in the uh, NCAA tournament. So it wouldn't surprise me either way with Iowa. But I'll say this: as as good as they are, and as much the matchup problem as they've been as, as they could be for KU, they don't really stop anybody. They are, um, let's see, seventy seventh in the country in defense efficiency could compared be an to second on offense. Game, yes, it would be a very entertaining game. But I don't think it's like a given that they're automatically there if they do play KU. Yes, that's a bit of a problem. I, I like those 12 and 13 seeds. I like that Richmond team. I like South Dakota State a lot. Zeke Mayo there. They are the number one three-point shooting team in the country. That could be a great matchup. If South Dakota State beats Providence, they play Iowa State, number one three-point shooting team versus that offense. That Ooh. would be a huge um, – and Zeke, that would be a giant story locally if Zeke Mayo winds up playing KU in the NCAA tournament because mm-hmm. there will be – somebody will ask, you know, did you feel a certain way that, you know, KU didn't recruit you super hard, you know, because you wound up at a, at a FCS school, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that'll be a story to tell. So, yeah, you're right. The, the um, in 2000, again, to bring up 2011, everybody felt Kansas was super vulnerable. And, and again, this goes back to whatever, you know, the, how unpredictable the tournament is. Everyone was just, all right, Kansas is playing as hot as they played all year. They're the number two overall seed, but a lot of people viewed them as actually better than Ohio State, who was the number one overall seed that year. But everybody said they're four seed, Louisville. Oh, no, that's a matchup problem. Louisville's a matchup problem. Louisville, uh uh-oh, watch out for them in the Sweet 16. And Louisville gets bounced by uh, Moorhead State in the first round. Do you know how many times Fran McCaffrey, the head coach of Iowa, has been to the Sweet 16? How many? Zero. Wow. And, and, and then on the other – exactly. And then on the other side of that, and so Louisville gets bounced and everyone's like, oh, my God, look at things just opening up left and right, blah, blah, blah. And then we all know what happened in the Elite Eight that year. Um, another example, look, the year Kansas won the national championship, they got a 12 in the Sweet 16, who they handled pretty well in Villanova. Um, and, but then they got a 10 in the second – or in the Elite Eight, and, and it took them to the wire. You know, the other – Davidson had a shot at the end to win the thing. So – you are right. Things weird happen. So, so you are absolutely right in that. It, may, it would make more sense to worry about a team you're vulnerable against in the first weekend because so much can happen and will happen between now and the Sweet 16. Um, you know, that that you, you look at years where the, the bracket broke open for KU. You look at 2018 where the bracket did not open at all and they wound up, everything went chalk. Unless I can't remember if Seton Hall was the 8 or the 9, but everything went basically chalk. You played a four in the Sweet 16 that gave you all you wanted in Clemson, and then Duke, who was favored against you in Omaha, you beat in in, in uh, overtime. So that it, that does make a lot of sense. I might San Diego State. Um, I think I'm going to stick with Iowa, but you are right. There's something to be said about there's just a better chance you play San Diego State than there is you play Iowa. Right. So I, I totally agree with you there. All right, uh, you can vote on our daily poll at RCST thirteen twenty. We're going to take another time out. More KU basketball talk. Some Bill Self audio on the other side. This is RCST. Individual player reactions from what we saw in the Big Twelve tournament. Um, I think David McCormick, his health, how well he played, is is obviously big. Mitch Lightfoot was fantastic all week. Ochag Baji kind of bouncing back. All those things are uh, very much of note. But I think the biggest storyline has to be revolved around Remy Martin. I, yeah, I don't see how it couldn't be. He scored 10 in the first half in the uh, final. Um, he uh, and then wound up, you know, with, with more points. Out. Ten and, and, dude, how about this? Four assists to no turnovers in the final as well. Um, 
So you have that. You have uh, – didn't he have another game with double digits? I thought he scored 10 against TCU also. I think he had 10 exactly. It took him a lot. He started efficiently in that game, and then yeah, he yeah, started yeah. just firing That's right, shots. that's right. And then we kinda, had uh, Bill Self hug gate. That's right. Did he hug him? Because he kind of had a moment where I thought it looked like he hugged him off the – and and Remy kind of had a little uh, – a little sheepish grin as he left the court against TCU because he had some shots that he knew were heat checks and he probably shouldn't have taken. Yes. Um, which are things, you know, those are, those are things that you uh, can laugh about after a win. Uh, there was a game, I think it was, I think it was against Tech, um, and it, McCormick wound up getting fouled, so it, and I think he hit both free throws, but he got, McCormick of all people, got blocked by the rim on a dunk. And I just thought when that happened, I thought that's one of those things where you can you can mm-hmm. joke about in the film room um, if you win a game, but secretly self is probably not thrilled. And and I but look, man, it's very simple. And I wrote about this. If you want to check out the uh, the blog, I, I posted a few a, l- a few words after each game, um, and I wrote about Remy after the final. It, it's it's to me very simple. He's the he's the the missing piece. He is everything. And Bill Self, I asked Bill Self after the TCU game, and I even said, because I asked about Remy, um, I asked Remy himself, and then I asked Bill Self after the TCU game. I said, I'm, you know, I'm sure you're, you know, people are probably sick of me hearing, or pick, sick of hearing me harp on the same thing and ask you all the time about Remy, but do you have a preference playing one lead guard at the time, or do you like two? And he said it, it kind of depends on matchup, but he said it, if you ask me, um, I don't think you can have enough lead guards. And uh, and I I think what he means by that is if you can have multiple guys that, one, you can trust to score, and two, you can trust to bring the ball up the floor. Jalen Wilson brought yeah. the ball up the floor a lot this weekend. And so if you have a guy who, one, you, you can trust to score, and two, you can trust to bring the ball up the floor, um, then you love that. And Remy is exactly what KU has not had this year that, makes them when we thought in 2016 this is a real title contender obviously 16 and 17 both years they come up short um but 16 you go all right this is a real title contender 17 all right this is a real title contender and what was the difference even though this team even going into the tournament it seemed like they were really careening toward a one seed you thought there's just something that this team doesn't have that those teams did. Not saying they won't make a Final Four or can't. They obviously can, but they're just missing uh, what previous KU teams, that great, great KU teams had. And, man, if Remy, if Remy can become what he showed, then you have it. Yes. That's, that, there's, and there's, like, that's, inc- that's just, you, I can't say that enough. You have it. You have exactly what you thought you were missing. Yeah, I don't know that he's going to always play more minutes than Dewan Harris, but I think we're getting back to where we were at the beginning. He looked great. He, his quickness, his speed, everything looked there for Remy, and he brought everything you needed from him. He was he was making hustle plays. He dives on the floor for basketballs. He was getting rebounds. He was jumping up high for him. He was getting assists. He was doing everything you needed him to do, and now you feel like with him and Dewan, they can both split, play around 25, 20 minutes a game each, maybe a little bit of time for and Joe that takes the pressure. And I was going to say that takes some pressure off Joe Yesifu, who doesn't have to score as much. He can do, you know, he can do the job of basically a one- when he's on with Remy, and he can focus a lot on defense, Remy, in spite of the fact that he is the most in-control, out-of-control player I've ever seen, uh, and the fact that he has a super flat shot, uh, 
everything works for him. But uh, so yeah, I don't know. This, this opens up so many possibilities. Him playing at this level opens up so much for KU. Yep, and I didn't think they they played a little of it, but the two guard lineup I think will be more reserved for other games, like possibly in the NCAA tournament. You couldn't play it as much against Tech with that matchup, but that opens up so much for KU. Here is Bill Self, the first half of what he had to say uh, last night after KU's bracket was unveiled. What you think? Uh, I was, I mean, I'm happy. I, 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 I never love our draw, uh, and I probably don't this year either. But I've never, I mean, I, I certainly don't hate it. Uh, it's going to be hard, regardless. Uh, I look at more when I see the draw rather than looking at opponents. Is seeing uh, uh, we're one seed, uh, so you work your butt off all year long to get that. Uh, we had to earn it. And then I see Fort Worth and Chicago if things go well. So, and those are both what seven, seven and a half hour drives and and direct flights in in in, in uh, alumni rich areas. So so uh, I, I think I think it was about as good a Sunday afternoon as we could have. But but that doesn't really include who we're playing yet, either. I'm just wondering health wise, how are you guys? And did you? I know it's just a three game weekend but did you learn anything new about your team this weekend or did you, did you see anything that you would hope to see well i thought the thing that i saw i actually thought even though tcu and texas tech shot decent percentages i thought that's the best we guarded uh consistently all year i i did i well i mean we made some bad mistakes and we we screwed up some coverages but for the most part i thought uh uh we made the other team uh uh feel us you know, on, on most possessions. So it had to play play against a, a team that they basically didn't give a lot of cheap stuff. So I, I thought that was the thing that I probably liked the most. Because we didn't we didn't make shoot we did make shots. And Mitch, Mitch, Mitch had a had a good day yesterday. He's day to day. He's day to day. So I mean he had a good day today in rehab. He's day to day. Yeah, just sprained knee. Yeah. Bill when you look at the uh, the scouting you're one of the four teams that doesn't know immediately who you're going to play. How much of a challenge does that present? Uh, well, I think it presents a challenge. I'd rather know who we're going to play. Uh, it, it presents more of a challenge from a uh, uh, prep standpoint. So, you know, so we're going to we're going to have a full day tomorrow and a full day Tuesday that we're working on stuff and we wouldn't even know who we're playing yet. So the, the positive, <clears throat> if there is a positive about it, it forces you to look at the second game first. So, so uh, you know, so because, you know, for the second game, if, if you're fortunate enough to win the first one, you only got one day to prep between the games. You can't get much done in between games. So maybe we can get an extra day in, you know, right now and, 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 uh, and still be prepared, you know, on Thursday. But it'll it'll just be a one day prep for for uh, for the 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 first game, uh, regardless of who wins. And 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 unless after watching tape, we see something they do that is something that we haven't seen all year long. And even though we may not know who we're playing, if one of them does something like that, we may work on that stuff on on Monday or Tuesday. I know it's only been a couple of minutes, and you probably haven't even begun to put together the tape. But do you have oh, any no. familiarity with any of these? Either of these teams, any uh, idea of what they do? I, 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 I've known Steve for a while, uh, and I've known Johnny forever. So, uh, but as far as watching their teams play, that's something that we got to dive into now.
coach these fans and you know how they do it. They break everything down and they read everything they can about every team in the bracket and they obsess and they're looking at who you might play in the third round. Do you, you, you've been in it so many years. What, how do you guys look at it? You and your coaches when it comes down and what, what do you notice? Well, I think, I think it's human to look at the entire bracket, you know, no question about that. So, uh, but the bottom line is uh, I'm looking at uh, three teams, the winner of the game Tuesday and uh, San Diego state and Creighton. And then next week we'll go on to uh, uh, another two-game tournament. That's that's how I look at it. And and if you ever get into the tournament, you're going to be playing somebody good. I mean, no matter what. I mean, it doesn't happen very often that that you play a 16 in the next game, you play a 15 in the next game, you play a 14 in the next game, you play a 13. That's not how it happens. So you're going to play good people. And and uh, and we've been in tournaments where the where the 13 and 14 was good enough to knock us off too. So. Uh, we, we, we've, we've got, we're going to play good people and that's just the way it is. It's more about matchups, uh, uh, I think than anything else. And I'm not even going to get into how we match up the second weekend until we take care of business the first weekend. And that's still a lot of work to do before that occurs. You got a lot of guys that were on that 2019, 20 team and, and last year was so different, obviously with you know, COVID still being a big part of it in India and all that. Have you thought much about what this means yeah. for that uh, group? Uh, really, we haven't really given it a great run in the tournament since 18. I mean, uh, in 19, uh, uh, we had a decent team, but we didn't have a team that, 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 could, that, could, uh, that could beat Auburn that day. Uh, that's about as impressive as I've seen anybody play against us uh, in a tournament setting. And and then in 20, we may have the best team in the country and can't play in it. And then in 21, you know, we didn't have the best team, but we 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 you have David and and, and Jalen both get COVID and Jay, and David played on a broken foot. We didn't have a chance uh, to be very good in the tournament. So, you know, I'm I'm just looking forward to our Kansas team being able to have the opportunity to play like the team that we put on the court all season long can play. And a lot of that's just due to health. Nothing extra with that, with, with those guys that were a part of that, that season that got canceled um, and not getting a crack at that. Year well, I, I, I think, I think with, with, uh, with Jalen and CB and Juan and, uh, uh, you know, Oach and David were a part of the team in 1819 that went to Salt Lake city. But I don't think anybody on our team has experienced what the NCAA tournament can, can potentially be like, uh, even if they participated in it. I don't think anybody's experienced what it's like. Uh, I said this earlier, uh, you know, the kids that, that played here last year uh, that were first-year kids, uh, whether it be Bryce, whether it be Tristan, whether, whether, whether it be whoever, uh, uh, Jethro, Luttrell, uh, they didn't get a chance to experience one day what it's like to be a Kansas basketball player. There was no late night. There was no fans in the building. There was not as much energy. And you go to postseason and it's a COVID and we're in a bubble and we don't play well and we get sick. I mean, there, there was nothing that would be such a, a deal saying, you know what, playing at Kansas is pretty cool. Now, playing at Kansas last year is just like, just blah. Uh, because of everything else that was going on, uh, you know that's that's a fact. Uh, uh, this year, the the newcomers have had a chance to experience it, but in order to experience it, what it's really like to play here, you need to do well in the tournament. And so, uh, uh, I'm 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 looking forward and hopeful that happens. Just two more quick ones up. Silvio's in. Does that 
Have you given any thought of that? Uh, not only Silvio. Charlie's in, Silvio in, and Tristan's in. Yeah. So so that's big bonus right there. Uh, uh, I was really, you know, I text with Silvio after the championship game. He had 17 and 14 in the championship game and wasn't good. He was great. And it's so good to see him end on a high note and have a good taste in his mouth leaving college basketball as opposed to maybe not having that. If, if he didn't get the opportunity to play this year. So, yeah, I'm very happy, very happy for Sylvia. I'm also happy for Charlie and, 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 and Tristan too. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking else who, who else, uh, 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 you know, Latrell obviously got knocked out with Stephen F, but they, they end up time for the league. And I don't know if you guys know Latrell started Stephen F all year long. So he had a good year and I can't remember who else is left, you know, besides Jethro, you know, obviously. And then with Tristan, I mean, what, what are your thoughts about six from the, the Big 12 and Oklahoma not getting in specifically? Uh, you know what? I, I, I don't know that Oklahoma was going to get in, but all the things like Richmond beating uh, Davidson today knocked somebody else out. And, and, and to me, OU deserved to be in the field. But when you look at it, there were more teams, I think, this year that you could make a case for being in the field that were legitimate bubble teams than maybe some other years. Uh, uh, so I feel bad for, for their team. Uh, you know, they did a really nice job, especially since Harkless went down. If, 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 uh, Harkless hadn't gone down, they'd be in the tournament. Hey, Bill, with Mitch day to day, how confident are you in KJ or Zach? you having to play some minutes behind David. Well, I, I will be confident in them. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful Mitch is playing the best ball maybe of his career right now. And I know he'll do everything humanly possible to put himself in a position to be out there on Thursday. So, uh, you know, he, he may be limited up until then or whatnot, but uh, I'm confident in those other kids, but they will get his reps this week. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. That was Bill Self. We'll have more KU basketball talk, more NCAA tournament talk, some more audio to share with you later on throughout the show on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up next, though, if this sports week wasn't enough with the NCAA tournament, well, baseball returned, that's going on, and NFL free agency legal tampering period started today. So uh, we're going to take a little break from basketball at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Four o'clock hour, we will get back into the basketball talk. KU winning the Big 12 tournament over the weekend. KU men's team getting a one seed. KU women's team getting an eight seed for their first appearance in uh, nine years, I think, yep, to the NCAA 2013, tournament. they were a uh, 12, made it to the Sweet 16 that year. 8 seed this year, so uh, we'll we'll have some audio to play for you from Brandon Schneider. Oh, by the way, I think there is, is South Carolina the 2 overall or the 1 overall? Stanford? Uh, I think they're the 2 oh, overall. Oh, it's Stanford, mm-hmm. that's right. South Carolina is the 1 overall. Yes. South Carolina got bounced, um, or not bounced, they're still made the tournament, but they lost to Kentucky. They got upset by Kentucky in that in that SEC final, but you're right, their, their 1 is Stanford, that, my mistake. Yeah, crazy other things are going on in sports, too. MLB restarted. Free agency has gotten restarted, which I don't really want to get too much into the MLB free agency stuff. Um, Jesse Winker just got traded to the the Reds. Do you care? I don't know. No, from the Reds. Or I'm sorry, from the Reds. The Mariners. Mariners. There we go. Uh, How about this, though? Tom Brady 
unretiring yesterday, having the gall to do it as Selection Sunday is, I think it just wrapped up. Like, come on, right. dude. Could have done it like, I don't know, when it's like June and we're, we're waiting for things to talk about. I will say this, credit for him not pulling a Brett Favre and waiting till the summer. Um, no, see, I wanted him to. <laughs> Would have been good for us. There's nothing you're, going you're on. You're right, you're right, you're right. Um, that's a good point. But I think, I don't know, I just think it's, and this is kind of the running joke, I you know, it's not just me saying this, running joke around Twitter is you take, dude took one month-long trip with his family around Europe and he's <laughs> done, I'm going back to work. Yeah, See ya. I don't like this anymore. Um, But, uh, yeah, look, you know, it's weird that, that, uh, I don't know. I, I, there's part of me uh, that's like, oh, maybe he's excited to try to steal the attention away from. Not that he, not that the decision to come back was based on, hey, I, I, all these other guys are getting attention now. I want some, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was some thought. I'm gonna, you know, I've made the decision, and I'm not gonna wait till Monday to announce. I'm gonna announce today during the bracket shows, just you know, to steal the limelight a little bit. That wouldn't surprise me. I don't necessarily know that he's a, a kind of you know the the an attention seeking type guy. However, um, you know we know that he at the very least agreed. If not, I don't know if he set it up, but at the very least he agreed to uh, a Tom Brady ripoff of the Michael Jordan documentary, uh, you know, which was ten parts. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the the, the of, uh, more than anything, the bigger news is is you know as of last night the the NFC South uh, futures bets were completely taken off the board in Vegas while they figure this thing out, and he's back. I and mean, you know, the greatest player ever is going to be back, and I'll be interested to see how it goes. Uh, Brett Favre. You know, had an amazing season with the Vikings, uh, and then through that interception in the NFC Championship, and ultimately the Saints went on to win the Super Bowl. But he still had, they had a terrific season. They went thirteen and three, made it to the NFC title game, went to overtime in the NFC title game. Amazing! You know, they had a great season for the Vikings when Brett Favre was there. Decided to give it one more go, and was awful until. You know, and I think it was it was a, a kind of a hard sack in the in the regular season that finally took him out for good. Um, and obviously I don't want, you know, I don't want Tom Brady to get hurt or anything. I'm more talking statistically, um, would Tom, you know, is there going to come a year where Tom Brady becomes what Brett Favre was in his last year? Cause Brett Favre's second to last year was outstanding. Brett Favre was horrible in his, mm -hmm. in his last year. Peyton Manning was horrible in his last year, but he got carried on the shoulders of his defense to a world championship. Um, so is there? Are we going to see whether it be this year, whatever the case is, are we going to see a, a horrible version? Like even like everyone talks about Jordan with the Wizards, you still had fantastic moments with the Wizards, just because the the sport one is less physical than football, and two, there are eighty two games, and with a guy as talented Michael Jordan, you're going to get a fifty game, a fifty point night. You're going to get some game winners. You're going to get some vintage moments. They're not just they're just not going to happen all the time. Um, but with Brady, you know, are we going to see that falling off the cliff season or is he going to have one more really great season, finish top four in the MVP voting, go to the playoffs and then retire? I, I that's what I truly wonder is if we're going, you know, we saw Peyton have a terrible year at the end of his career. We saw Brett Favre have a terrible year at the end of his career. Joe Montana was nothing to write home about in 90. 
94. 93, they make the AFC Championship with the Chiefs. 94, he wasn't anything to write home about as the Chiefs went 9-7. and seven. Are we going to see a year like that from Tom Brady ever? No, that's that's the question. I, yeah, they it usually is just a fall off. How about this in, in free agency? This just came down. J.C. Jackson, all-pro corner. He was the top cornerback on the market. Chargers just signed him. So the trend of AFC West teams outside of the Chiefs just making big splash plays and making this division even more difficult for Kansas City continues on. So you're saying they need to fire Brett Veach? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I you know, the the AFC West is doing what the AFC East exactly what the AFC East did not do when Tom Brady was with the Patriots. Um, they're saying, all right, we see who the you know we see the target on the back of the Chiefs, and we're going to load up with as much firepower as we can to hit that target. They haven't yet. The Chiefs have not lost the – well, they haven't lost the AFC West since, what, 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, so that included – so they never – the Chiefs have won the AFC West every year with Patrick Mahomes. Um, before that, they won it the last two years of Alex Smith as the starter. Obviously, one of those years was Mahomes' rookie year when he didn't play. And uh, then – and they've never not made the AFC Championship game with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. They see the target, and they're chasing the target. And that is something, and I don't know why, but that's something AFC East never really did. Uh, I'm not saying they just fl- flopped. They just never, put it this way, they never successfully um, you know, put together enough power. The, the one year, um, let's see, the one year it took the Miami Dolphins, it took Tom Brady getting bounced in the first game with an a, with a knee injury, and... Um, the Miami Dolphins to discover the Wildcat for a team other than the Patriots to win the East. What a time that, that was! Tenure. So yeah, the AFC West is loading up, man. They they're coming full bore. The Broncos they didn't sit around and and um, cry in their soup about uh, about not getting Rodgers. They said, okay, Seahawks, what do you want? Oh, you're you're in talks with the Commanders. We're gonna outbid the Commanders. Mm. Um, so yeah, it is what it is. Um. Chiefs need to step up. I think if there's good news, we saw an example just this past year of a team that because they played in such a great division, they weren't they didn't have a good enough record to get the one seed and get the bye, but they wound up winning the world championship, and that's the Los Angeles Rams. And I think the Chiefs, you know, are good enough to still win this division. And I think they've got the kind of quarterback that um even in years where they're not at their best, that maybe they go eleven and seven or 11 and six um, and, you know, wind up as either a low, low uh, division winner or a, a wild card there. They have a quarterback who's good enough to, to peel off, you know, a playoff run of 16 touchdowns and no interceptions, one interception, something like that. Speaking of quarterbacks who have the ability to get on fire, that is not the case. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, this one's interesting. I'm not going to go through all the free agent signings. The only reason I have this one listed down, the Steelers are signing him. I assume at that point it means he's going to be their starter, which, why? Like, why? I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, Trubisky uh, is not the biggest quarterback. I, I would. Trub, Brady's the biggest quarterback story. Trubisky's not the second, but you know the second biggest quarterback story of the weekend is? Hmm. Is that Kirk Cousins continues to need to go to jail for theft. <laughs> that is incredible. The, like, 
the 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 owner of the Vikings must have must like be worried about going to jail for tax evasion or something. So he's looking to get everything he can off the books because they're again giving that man incredible sums of money to be a bad quarterback or to be a average quarterback. Fine quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Thirty five. What is it? Forty with thirty five guaranteed for one damn year to to throw. 23 touchdowns and 12 interceptions? Yeah, I'll, I'll say that. Like, I would rather, if you told me, I, I I didn't see how much Mitch Trubisky got, but let's say Mitch Trubisky got like $10 million. Would you rather have Mitch Trubisky for $10 million or Kirk Cousins for 40 I'd rather have Mitch Trubisky for 10 Yes, because, well, one, yes, you can put a really great team around him, and even if things don't work out, I mean, I'd almost, honestly, rather than either of those two options, I'd rather go... One in sixteen, and get the first draft pick. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd just explode. I'd just I'd go full tank mode. I'd explode everything, trade away everything I've got, maximize my draft picks, go one in sixteen, and and get me a, you know, have have the first overall pick plus three more first round picks in my back pocket from everybody I just traded. But given if those are my only two options, yeah, give me Trubisky for ten million bucks, and I'll see what I can put around him. You're not winning a Super Bowl. Um, I think there are examples like Alex Smith, for example, with the with the contract he had for the Chiefs wasn't going to win a, a world championship. But I think a player like Alex Smith for twelve, thirteen million dollars against a two hundred million dollar salary cap, you can build a championship team with Alex Smith at thirteen million dollars a year. I, I don't think you'll ever do that with Mitch Trubisky even at ten million bucks a year, but give me that over that turd of a contract that Minnesota's <laughs> given Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Um and then the other one I get into before we get into like Chiefs stuff specifically, this kind of does relate to Chiefs though, is Quandre Diggs. He uh, is one of the top safeties on the market, but not the top. He's a good player, not a great player. Three years, forty million dollars. So you look at it about thirteen million dollars a year. The reason this is of note is I think it adds to the idea of how much Tyron Matthew could get. I mean, if he's getting thirteen, there's probably a good chance Matthew's getting sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, and we both agree. It's probably out of the price range for the Chiefs. Yes, and I'm fine with that. Look, I I, I want to say this about Tyron Matthew. Everything he said about Chiefs fans, and it was he didn't he wasn't the one that used the word toxic, was it? Was he? Did he say toxic in responding to Hitchens? I think. Or did Hitchens say toxic responding to him? I don't remember, but I think they both were kind of in agreement. Yes. So. So Tyron Matthew said what he said about the fans. He posts all sorts of stuff on social media about not believing in him, et cetera, et cetera. I want to be clear about something. The mindset of Tyran Matthew that leads him to, whether it be criticize Chiefs fans or get upset with the Chiefs and take it personally that they're not re-signing him, um, is the exact same mindset that helped him become a great player, including for the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. So I have no problem with any of that. I'm happy that Tyran Matthew was with the Chiefs. I'm happy with what the Chiefs got out of him. I do think he made some business decisions in in not chasing tackles, especially in the regular season, um, because he knew it was a contract year and he didn't want to sell, get himself hurt. Um, but I don't blame Tyron Matthew. All the antics on Twitter, I think the mindset that that gives him this this the whole world disrespects me mindset is what is what fuels him and makes him great. Michael Jordan just got celebrated with a ten part documentary because he's the kind of guy who would make up things that guys said to him just to fuel him for a Tuesday night game against the Bullets, you know? And so that I'm fine with all that. That's the mindset of a lot of pro athletes. They they find fuel wherever they can get it. Um, but I don't want him back as a Chief. Not not really at that, especially not at that price. 
and we both kind of agreed off the air ahead of this segment, we wouldn't take we we don't want Traverius Ward at the Tyran Matthew price. But if you have to say bye to Tyran Matthew in order to afford bringing Traverius Ward back at a lesser number than Matthew is going to get, give me Ward all day. Yeah, I like Ward a lot, and I actually just saw Carlton Davis got a three-year, $45 million deal with the Bucks. And, I mean, if that's all he's getting, Carlton Davis, like, a couple-time Pro Bowl, a really good young corner for the Bucks, then that does give me more confidence. Maybe they would have enough Let to uh, bring back Traverse Ward. With the amount of money that some of these dudes are getting, particularly on the defensive side, mm-hmm. do you almost want to zig while everybody else is zagging and say, screw it, we're going to spend 65% of our cap on offense? I mean, yes, but I also think that's something that even if they weren't spending all that money, I would just be very tempted to do. I would want to them do. to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Just go, dude, trade for DK Metcalf. 70% of your cap, this is an extreme example, but just, you know, bear with me because it is an extreme example and it will not happen. But, you know, 17, 70% of your cap is is on the uh, offensive end and um, – and then you're, you know, you're just outscoring pigs sixty three to fifty eight every week. That <laughs> looks like a way to watch. football. Okay, so the, this is where the Chiefs are, though. Like, and who knows? Maybe that that will be what they do. Um, the Frank Clark situation is kind of weird because it seemed like one where the inevitability of Frank Clark getting cut seemed to be a sure thing. And then there were now reports it's inevitable today. that he will not. Yes, this was from Albert Breer earlier this morning. The Chiefs are working on a restructured deal for defensive end Frank Clark. Sides are uncertain whether they'll be able to get it done, so it's not a guarantee, but they're at least trying to find a way to keep Clark in the fold. I don't totally get this because it's not as simple to say, hey, you have a high cap number. If you want to stay with the team, we'll get rid of your, you know, we'll, we'll cut down your, your number and you stay with the team. This is something where it's like, I, I don't really care what the number is, like, I I'm ready to move on from Frank Clark. I don't get what he brings. I think it was a. I think this is a bad decision. If they bring him back, I think it was a bad decision the way he they got him. Um, I'll you know I'm not going to be hyper 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 critical of the trade because he did contribute in the playoffs mm-hmm. in a year where you ultimately won the Super Bowl. So okay, let's say that's a wash. Um. Because you got a Super Bowl and another Super Bowl appearance, not because of that contract, but with him under that contract. So let's be say because of that, you know, in a, in a vacuum, we 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 should criticize the trade for Frank Clark and what you gave up and the money that you ultimately paid him. But we don't live in a vacuum, and when you look at the results of what happened with him on the team under that contract, that's a wash. But now, you walk. And the only argument, and, and we have, I don't know this, and you you probably know more on this than I do. You don't think they'd be allowed to get his number this year below that cap hit, do you? I so I don't totally know the rules on that. I don't believe so. But I think I, once you have the 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 part of the contract that's like the signing bonus, I don't think you can get away from that. Once we, I'll say this though, and and if that's correct. My thought is this: If you wait, is it before? Is it before or after June first that you can split the the cap hit in half? It's after June first, but you could you, you can could, announce it before. Yes, then. you can make it a, a um, post designated June. Yeah, 1st yeah. Cut. So you can cut him now and and post desi- and, and yeah post designated June first. And if you're able to do that, is it twelve or twelve and a half that his dead cap hit is this year? Or is it thirteen? I think it's like thirteen. But if you so you can yeah. sp- if you if you designate it as a post June one cut. You can split that up, and it it'll be a dead cap of six half six and a half million dollars this year, and a dead cap of six and a half million dollars next year. Which you know there are some arguments either way. Um, 
I would listen to an argument if you just eat the entire $12 million this year and look at this sort of year, because I do think that the, they're going to have to pay the piper eventually with all these backloaded contracts. Um, and there's going to come a year where you're just going to say, boy, we have a lot of old guys who aren't performing well, who we owe a whole, whole heap of money to. Let's just go 11 and seven and see if this is the year that Mahomes can carry us. So, you know, let's go 10 and eight, see if this is the year Mahomes can carry us as a wild card team and then readjust. If you look at what the Patriots did, they had 03 through 05, or 02 through 05, or 01 through 05, excuse me. Then they had um, 07, where they went undefeated, and then they didn't make the Super Bowl again until 2011. And in, in that year, that included a year in, in 09, when Tom Brady was healthy, where they went 10 and 6 and got bounced in the first round of the playoffs by the Ravens. And by the next year, they were one seed again. They lose to the Jets in the divisional round, and then the following year, they, they lose to the Giants in the Super Bowl again. So my point is, I do think if if you're like I I think there you have to build the the Mahomes Super Bowl wins. I think will have to come in pockets. You're going to have about three pockets of four ish years where you can say we're one of the three best teams in the National Football League. And even with Mahomes, you're going to have pockets of maybe two years where you won't be able to say that. And I think just part of me is like, just eat the 12 million bucks one year, get it over with, um, and widen the gap, uh, or and, and, and widen the years where you will be more of a real competitor. Get that one year of a 10-8 and eight and 11-7 out of here. Just get it out of the way. Um but I don't know. It's more meandering out loud. But I do wonder if, if that's what they should just do. But we agree. I don't want. I don't yeah. want Frank Clark. On I think this that's that's the end of it. Like neither one of us want him there. And I get it. It's you're cutting ties with a guy, and if you can restructure the contact track, then you're still cutting a lot of the cap, and you basically are saving one roster spot that you don't have to go out and pay someone else. So it's it's really saving a lot more money when you think about it like that. I just I'm to a point where I'd rather. Give that to somebody else. I don't care if it's going to cost more money. Um, and one guy who got cut today, I think if we're, we're going to look at, like, who are some of the Chiefs' biggest targets right now? Now, there's some guys who, you know, we could talk about, like, uh, I don't know, maybe lower-tier guys, cheaper roster pickups that you could get. But I think the biggest ones that have kind of emerged, at least based on either Chiefs have shown interest or there's been talk about it on, on social media or whatever, Zadarius Smith, who just got cut today I by the Packers. really want him. Great pass I rusher. Really he would be him. fantastic, especially you if you're— You want to talk about a team that's just doing everything they possibly can to please one man. Yeah. Uh, Jarvis Landry just got cut today by the Browns. Chiefs could use another receiver. They could yeah. use another possession receiver. Uh, Byron Pringle, gone. I'm assuming Demarcus Robinson going to be gone. Who knows? Maybe he comes back on a cheap contract. Juju Smith-Schuster, there's been rumor and interest there. He would be another good um, kind of intermediate guy. And I don't think Jarvis Landry or Juju would cost too much. Like, they're probably short-year contracts that are probably around, like, 8 to 12 million a year. The big one would be, can you go out and get a guy like Allen Robinson? Yeah, let me ask you this, though. Let's say the only— Let's say they can get one of those four. Who would you pick? Just one of those four? Yeah, let's I, just I was going to ask you about two of them. Um, if I could take two, I'd take Smith and then— I'd take Smith and Landry. Yeah. I just—I don't think—I wouldn't know. Smith you can and only Robinson. take one of Smith or Robinson. I don't, right? That's the thing. I don't think it's realistic to get mm -hmm. both of those guys. I would take Zadarius Smith because I think Zadarius Smith brings you something. Like, I think, I think the difference—because your offense is already so high-powered, I think the— what Jarvis Landry or Juju Smith-Schuster can bring is I don't think Allen Robinson makes such a huge difference between those guys and him because you're already at such a freakish high level of your offense. 
It's like if your offense is already at a 97% and and Allen Robinson will make you a 99 and those two other guys will make you a 98, then I'd prefer that. And I think Zadarius Smith is more like a guy who can turn your defense from a 60 to a 68 mm-hmm. or a 70. Does that make sense? Yes, I agree with that. And, but let me ask you this. Let's say it's Jarvis and Zadarius Smith. And that's it. Let's say they they let's say they 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 get outbid on Ward. Mm-hmm. So let's say the they they have to figure something out with Ward. Let's say they uh and but their their pickups wind up being Landry and Zadarius Smith. Um, you call that a successful offseason? Yeah, I would because I think Smith is enough there. I mean, we have to wait and see what happens with the draft, obviously. But in terms yeah. of like free agency, I think it is because understanding and I agree. Understanding you're not going to get everything you want. No. But I think that does enough for me where I'd feel like, okay, they addressed receiver, they addressed pass rush, those are their biggest concerns, and now you can figure out the rest. You can figure out corner, another pass rusher, you can figure out another receiver in the draft. If you pay, let me just real quick, and I know we have to get to a break, what if you pay uh, Frank Clark? I, I could listen, again, I don't want him on the roster, I could listen to, well, hey, if they pay him like a backup and play him like a backup, then maybe his production per snap, like his production per season stays the same, or, but maybe his production per snap goes up because he's more rested and you don't have to think about the stomach issues and all those things. I don't know. I'm just trying I'm trying to talk myself into it, but I, I, again, I, I don't love the idea of him coming back. I guess that's the problem for me. I'm almost under the assumption that if they are saying he's coming back at this cheap contract, they're saying, no, but he's going to be a starter for that, right? Yeah, if, I would if, worry about that If too. what you said was the case, if they're like, yeah, we're going to bring him back, he'll be a rotational D-end, our first D-end off the bench, which you're still going to play a lot in the NFL if that's the case, yeah. and it's not going to preclude us from signing Zadarius Smith or whatever other pass rusher, then yes, I would be for that. Yeah. I just, you know, we saw it last year with Ben Neiman and Anthony Hitchens for so long to start the season. They were on the roster, and yeah. even though they were worse than the other guys you had, because they knew the system more. Yeah, that's we knew we we you know Spags is so clear in that, and so that you're right, that is a problem with him. He is Adam Dravetta. I am Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up next, we'll let you listen in to what the KU women's basketball head coach Brandon Schneider had to say. KU going to the NCAA tournament. There, they'll be an eight seed. This is RCST. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson along with Adam Dravetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. KU, the one seed in the Midwest. They'll play Thursday night at 857. Uh, before we get into more tournament stuff, I want to kind of circle back to the Big 12 tournament because we, we really only got to talk about Remy Martin so far for that. Mitch Lightfoot was absolutely nails over the course of the week. He was, yeah, he was, he was great. He was... Um... He was the, his absolute ceiling, I think. He did nothing really wrong, and he did a lot of things right. He never, um, you know, at no point did you see, I think, a new element of him. Like, wow, we've never seen this out of, out of, <laughs> out of Mitch Lightfoot before. But he did, not, like, nothing wrong. And then on top of that, he did a lot of things right. And, and that's, you got everything you could possibly ask for um, out of Mitch Lightfoot. And I think Remy Martin playing the way he can play, Mitch Lightfoot playing at his ceiling, the biggest thing that Mitch Lightfoot brings you, I can't remember if it was the West Virginia game or the TCU game, but there was a game where David McCormick, I think it was the TCU game, David McCormick got his third foul, and it was 94 feet away from the bucket. He got mm-hmm. it the other end. That was the TCU game. And, yes, and that 
was obviously you can't do that. So that's on that's on Dave. But if for whatever reason, whether it's the foot, whether it's fouls, whatever the case may be, if you have Mitch Lightfoot playing at a level where you can extend the lead or at least keep it the same with him in the game, that's huge. Yes. And he was, yeah, he played 23 minutes against West Virginia, 10 points, five rebounds, five blocks, and that allowed you to rest Dave. Uh, 25 minutes against TCU, again, allowed you to rest Dave, although he did have uh, some foul trouble and whatnot. But, but then the points. result of that was a double-double from Dave in the championship yep. game. And, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Kansas, so many players got to rest for Kansas in their first two mm-hmm. games, and TCU, I, I told you this before the start of the of the show, when I felt really confident was when Kansas, they were down 54-51, uh, but when Kansas went on a little 6-0 run to make it 57-54, I started feeling very confident at that point because I thought, you've taken Tech's you know, punch, you've, you've taken their big punch, and now you, you've, uh, you know, you've returned it and you're back up three, and I didn't know that Tech had any major punches left in them because I thought their legs were so out because they played such a rock fight against Oklahoma the night before, where you got a lot of guys who got to rest this weekend, and in Dave's case, he got to rest in large part thanks to Mitch Lightfoot, um, and I think that played a huge role in why Kansas was able to win uh, Saturday. Yeah, and Mitch only played 11 minutes in the Tech game before he got the injury. They said it was a sprained knee after the game. Bill Self said last night that he's day-to-day, so I don't know. Uh, you would assume that you should be okay against the 16 seed. Um, if you have to play K.J. Adams or Zach Clements, like those guys would still be the most talented player on whatever 16 seed you're playing. So uh, I don't know. I, maybe this is just me saying that, well, you don't necessarily need him for that game, so might as well rest him, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play in that game. Um, he would have probably been all-tournament team in the Big 12 tournament if he would have been able to play more against Texas Tech, but because the injury didn't maybe accumulate enough stats. I know, like, Matt Tate did vote him onto the team, and we'll have Matt on I'd tomorrow. I'd be interested to see him. I actually didn't. Um, I did not partake. I was there covering it. I did not partake in the voting, um, and the reason I'll give, very frankly, is because I didn't see any of the non-KU games, um, and I... I I didn't think I would have been informed enough. You didn't to want to vote five K U guys. Yeah, exactly. I I saw so the game the teams I saw play were Kansas, West Virginia, TCU, and Texas Tech. Um, I did watch a good portion of the end of the Tech OU game after I got home Friday night, after Kansas had beaten TCU. But I I didn't vote in that because I didn't see nearly enough of the other teams um, to feel like I had a good enough say. Um, but I'd be interested in seeing the ballots that got. Look, Christian Brown wasn't terrible. One of them's games, one of one of the games, he had a double double, but he kind of had a very McCormick esque tournament where he had two games. Now he played a lot more minutes than McCormick, but if you look at his stats, he had one double double and two games where he was fine. Yeah, I I kind of wonder if that was a little bit of retribution for him not being on the first team in that the regular could, yeah, season. That could be. Um, and when you just think about it, well. You, it was tough to give it to Mitch because the totals, he had nine points, three rebounds per game because he didn't get to play as many minutes McCormick there. With Dave, you just had much. the one game. Yeah, It was Jaylen, one great game, but it was only one game. Yeah, Jalen played really well in the second half, but it wasn't like a great week for Jalen necessarily. He was still good. But um, yeah, I think it was probably just a, a little bit of that second best player on the team that won the yeah, Big Championship. Yeah, I think it would have been weird to keep to only have one team from the championship mm-hmm. To the winner to not be on the you know to only have one player on the all big all, all tournament team. But the reason that the Mitch performances over the week were so important, there's two reasons why. One of them is that 
really, I think to that point, you hadn't always seen Mitch play well against the best bigs. Like the the West Virginia game, we talked about this. It wasn't necessarily a huge surprise that he played well because against teams that maybe are, you know, not the elite of the elite in terms of their forwards or their centers, those are the games that he he has killed it in. But then you have certain games against, you know, your Oscar Sheboys or whatever other big. And because by trade, he came in as a power forward and he's just not as big as those guys. Maybe he's not as effective. Well, he was still that effective against TCU, who has a big bowling ball in the middle and a really good big man in Lampkin. And, you know, I, I thought he was playing well in the limited minutes that he was getting against Texas Tech. Those are important. And those are even more important knowing that, um, again, we don't know what the status will be of him, but assuming that he does play with Dave's foot injury, having that, that backup, having that insurance behind him and knowing that he can do it on a big stage in a tournament setting, that is so important. Um, I'm scrolling through tweets because I sent you, um, a tweet on Friday that and look, I want to be clear. By no means, yeah, no. I, this is from Jesse Newell. I know what tweet you're talking about. But, so, um, no, I sent you a text, not a tweet. You okay, can, you can go ahead with the. But yeah, uh, Jesse tweeted about this the other day. It was that um, most efficient like play in the post, Mitch over his whatever his right-handed hook shot or something. Uh, he's like the second most efficient post player in no, the country. I tweeted about at at six forty, which would have been the first half at six forty p.m. Friday evening. I tweeted to you. About Lumpkin. Mm-hmm. I said, this dude's going to eat Mitch alive. <laughs> and I was dead wrong. Yes. So that was important. Um, and again, like having the insurance for Dave is important. I do think Dave's going to continue to play through it. And it doesn't seem like an injury where it's like, this is going to get worse. It's just kind of a pain tolerance thing. Clearly, though, on Saturday, like he was laboring through it. You could see him at different times, like kind of limping up and down the floor. They mentioned it on the broadcast. How concerned are you about his foot into the NCAA tournament? Are you? Oh, I would say, I would say seven because of how important, you're talking about Dave, right? Yes, yes. Because of how important he is, I would say a seven. I might lean more like a five or six because of what he showed us Saturday. Like he showed a really great game, even though you're right, he was limping. So maybe I'll lean a little less. But based on his importance to the team, I would say a seven. Um, because I, if I, it's one of those things. If you could guarantee, like, if you could say no, no, he's definitely fine. It'd probably be more like a five. Because, but when you figure I'm somewhat worried about the injury, but then also factoring in that he's so so important to this team, that goes higher than the six that I may lean. But I, I would say seven. Yeah, it's concerning to me, but I also think it's a good sign that even though he was laboring in the Tech game, he still had a remarkable game, double-double. He fought through it. I do think that going back to the conversation of you can survive if Mitch doesn't play against the 16 seed, I'm assuming Dave's still going to play, but like, would it surprise you at all if it was like the West Virginia game where Dave only plays 10, 12 minutes? Yeah, I mean, look, Kansas won that game by 24 points, which you would expect, knock on wood, Mm -hmm. weird things happen, but... um, Ideally, that's what you're. That's about the spread. You're hoping for twenty or thirty points or so in your in your game over the sixteen. Um, again, knock on wood. So yeah, that would be a great thing. Get out and and have your you know have your big scores score a whole bunch. Um, so you can play, whether it be you know whether they want to give Mitch a rest, so they bring in um, Zach Clements and KJ Adams. But yeah, get out to a, a giant lead so you have Dave on the sidelines for you know, 18 to 20 minutes of that game. 
Yeah. No, 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 sorry. Um, how about uh, how about uh, 50 to... No, 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 I, I was right. Never mind. Sorry. Well, I, I think that... 28 big... to 30, sorry. Yeah, 28 so, to 30 minutes. I'm an idiot. Just, you know, get him as much rest as possible the first game with the short turnaround headed into the second game. I don't think you're as much worried about it between the... If you win the second game, going to the Sweet 16, but that short turnaround between the two, that'll be the big key how he plays. Uh, update on our poll. At RCST1320, you can vote. Which team in the top half of the Midwest concerns you the most? Number four, Providence only has 2% of the vote, which is not that much of a surprise. I think most people, uh, Providence is a very susceptible four seed. They've won a lot of close games. A lot of people think they're lucky. I have South Dakota State beating them. Number five is Iowa. That's 74% of the vote. Uh, their offense is elite. They'd be a bit of a matchup problem for KU with Keegan Murray at the five. Number eight, San Diego State. That is 19% of the vote, and then other has 5%. I would assume if somebody's voting other, I don't know. Maybe it's like a Creighton fan or something. Who's uh, South maybe, Dakota State? Yeah. Who, who's uh, who'd you say? Well, um, yeah. Who's who's leading? You said uh, Iowa, pretty handedly. That's surprising to me. I thought a lot of people would go with what, uh, Iowa. I think is if 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 everything was was equal, I would say Iowa would I would agree with. But I'm surprised more people aren't thinking San Diego State because it's you just have a higher percentage chance of playing them than mm-hmm. you do playing Iowa. Let's look at the bottom half. We haven't had a chance to talk about the bottom half of this bracket, though, today. Um, and again, like, I, like I've said, this isn't something you overly worry about yourself with for a couple reasons. One, if you make it to the Elite Eight, you're going to play a good team no matter what. And you don't have to play all of them. You don't have to beat Wisconsin and Auburn, right? And I, I always bring this up, too, regarding the Elite Eight. Your Elite Eights, among your, your Elite Eights, you have a, a 10 seed in Davidson that gave you all you wanted. You lost to an 11 seed in VCU. And your two other Elite Eight victories include you as a two upsetting number one seed at uh, North Carolina, and then you as a one being the Vegas underdog defeating Duke. So that's all, you know, you really don't need much more evidence. That exactly. Play who you're going to play. Because even if it opens up, like to your point on Davidson and VCU, you're not going to sit here if it opens up and go, oh, great, now it's just a, a, a cakewalk. Foregone conclusion. Yeah, you're yeah. going to go. Oh well, now we think this team is really good because yeah, they've yeah, gotten to the so elite. Eight. You, yeah, that's exactly right. You, you, you're playing a good team. If you make it out of the top half of your region, you're playing a good team in the regional final. That's just a fact. And again, it's it's hard to figure out who's going to be there because they still got to win three games. But that said, looking at the bottom half of this bracket, let's say KU does get to the elite eight and they're facing someone from there. Obviously, the two seed is going to be the one that sticks out the most is Auburn. Now, I think it's interesting. I think a lot of people were happy when they saw Auburn was the two seed over Kentucky. And and I would agree with that because I actually have Kentucky winning the national title. So I would prefer that they wouldn't be in KU's bracket. It's interesting with Auburn, though, because I think that they are very susceptible to losing before they get to the Elite Eight. Although I don't really see a ton of teams on this bottom part of the bracket that make me think that'll be the case. But nonetheless, I think they are susceptible to that. At the same point in time, if Kansas does have to play Auburn, I don't really love that matchup for KU. Walker Kessler inside is averaging four blocks a game. He is the best shot blocker in the country. Um, It's him and Chet Holmgren, but Walker Kessler did it against Power 5 opponents. So... They have the best shot blocker in the country against an offense that likes to shoot two-point shots. They're number one in the country in block rate, number four in two-point defense. I don't love that for KU. I don't love the fact, too, that Jabari Smith, who's going to be a top three pick in the draft, I don't know how KU matches up with him because he is their six foot ten four man who shoots it a bunch. 
So I don't necessarily love the individual matchup if KU does have to play Auburn. But again, this goes back into the idea of, but I also don't know if Auburn will even be there. I um, I would also look at, uh, and this isn't a huge stretch because they're only one seed lower, but I would look at Wisconsin mm-hmm. because I think they probably have the second best individual player in this region behind Ochai Abaji. Johnny Davis Johnny is Davis, awesome. Who's a, a He's been struggling a bit, though, lately. That's true. His, his end of the year, really as a whole, um, Wisconsin and Illinois really kind of looked like two teams that could you you could really think about threatening for one seeds at different points in the year. And Illinois fell to a four, and Wisconsin wound up as a three. But I think Wisconsin, and just in a one-off tournament, having the best player seems to matter so much. I think Johnny Davis is the second best player in this region behind Ochai Baji, and he may even get more. I don't think he will now, but there was. Um, I don't think either of them are winning player of the year. I think that's going to Oscar Shibwe. But um, there was a time where Johnny Davis was thought of as more more likely to win the uh, National Player of the Year than Ochai Abaji. I don't think either of them wins it, but I think at this point Ochai probably finishes above Johnny Davis in the rankings. But still, Wisconsin, in most of the games they play, will have the single best mm-hmm. player and the single best shooter on the floor. Um which could make for a lot of fun if they play each other in Chicago in the Sweet Yeah, 16. that'd be a real fun matchup with, with Ochai and two projected lottery picks there between yeah. the two. It's just, it's weird when I look at the bottom part of this bracket because, like I said, I feel like Auburn and Wisconsin, if they were in another bracket, I would feel like they're very susceptible to losing early. But I, I just don't really see the other teams there. Like, USC— That's y- the thing. They, I agree. Like, you could argue that they're I don't see it with USC or Miami. Yeah, I don't see it with Iowa them? State. The one team that's very interesting to me in the bottom part of this bracket is LSU. LSU has one of the best defenses in the entire country. Um, the problem is they just fired their coach. Now, will it be a— is that going to be a let's come exactly. together and go nuts? They have a really matchup problem of five, who is one of the most athletic players in the country. They've had some good tournament success in recent years. They made the uh, second round last year. They made the Sweet 16, uh, the tournament before that. I think that LSU could give somebody trouble, but it's it it's trying to play the head game, and you don't know. I could also see him losing to Iowa State in the first round. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com. More college basketball, March Madness talk uh, as we go on throughout the uh, coming days here before we get ready for the NCAA tournament. This is RCST.